Hi dudes, my name is Tiffany. Welcome back to my series, Internet Analysis, where I like to research and discuss things relevant to social issues and media. Today I want to talk about teeth and dental care. Now hold This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott, or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch, find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. It'll be interesting, I promise. This video was made with the support of my Patreon. If you would like to check it out and consider joining, please click the link in the description. So this is a big video, including topics that I'm very passionate about. I'm gonna get into my relationship, my experience with my own teeth, plus how the media sells us the perfect smile. And we're gonna get deep into how our teeth affect us personally, professionally, socially, financially, and physically. For part of my research, I read a whole book. Can you believe it? It's hard for me to finish nonfiction these days. This is Teeth by Mary Otto, and this was incredibly hard to read because a lot of it's pretty dense. It is very informative, but also very sad, and it did majorly trigger my health anxiety at some points. But I got through it, and this really did help inform this video, so I will be quoting Otto frequently. And also, this video will primarily focus on the US dental system because that's what I'm most familiar with. But these similar issues exist all over the world, and I would really love to hear about any of your experiences in the comments. Let's jump the frick in, it's gonna be a long one. For many people, one of the first things they notice about someone else is their teeth. Good teeth are considered a turn-on, very attractive. If someone has good teeth, we believe that's a sign that they take care of themselves, that they're very hygienic. And later we'll discuss the judgments and assumptions that we tend to make when we meet people with quote-unquote bad teeth. To begin, let's start with the Hollywood smile. So going back to 1928, a dentist named Charles Pincus created custom snap-on Hollywood veneers for stars like Judy Garland and Shirley Temple. Obviously, beautiful, flawless appearances were always part of the allure of the motion pictures, but even movie stars had pretty bad teeth, especially back then. Really quick though, can we acknowledge the weirdness that Shirley Temple was a young child losing baby teeth like normal, but she was never photographed or filmed without those tooth caps to cover her missing teeth. I think we take it for granted how weird it is to see a young child look like this with a fully grown adult looking set of teeth. That definitely speaks to the adultification of kids in Hollywood, but I, I never like even noticed that before. What's a childhood without experiencing, you know, missing front teeth? So since the 1980s, dentistry in the US has had a pretty big shift from the unsexy, preventative and restorative care like cleanings, fillings, extractions to cosmetic dentistry. It was the Hollywood smile of former actors 
after President Ronald Reagan that gleamed over the glamour, conspicuous consumption, and individualism that marked the 1980s. Cosmetic dentistry now represents the largest non-surgical beauty industry after makeup. This includes the multi-billion dollar teeth whitening business. Those of you who don't live in the US probably know of us Americans as having stereotypically big, white, straight smiles. Sometimes unnaturally so. They have made some white teeth, especially for the Americans. They will look at that, and that teeth will look yellow now against American teeth. In Britain, we have this scale yes. of, of color for teeth. Yes. But, but Americans are actually literally off the scale, off the scale. This American smile is now a commodity marketed around the globe. Europeans still tend to prefer a subtler look, teeth that appear more natural, but a veneer job has become a globally recognized badge of success. Social media's impact and the influencer's smile. Before social media, people were primarily influenced by the style and glamour of traditional celebrities, but these days most of us have internalized the beauty standards that are currently popular online. Many of the most popular influencers or Instagram models look pretty similar. They may have filler, Botox, and other procedures, veneers, and a bangin' body. Potentially created in part by a BBL, but that has been covered in so many other great videos, so I don't need to get into it. As we know, influencers often sell aspects of their lifestyle or appearance as commodities. You can get white teeth like theirs, all you need is this sponsored product. Pay no mind to the fact that many of these creators actually have veneers. Just buy the thing. Teeth whitening ads and products are all over social media, and it seems like every smile in your feed is bright. And if you, a follower, consumer of social media, can't meet this blindingly white standard for teeth, we feel pressured to use teeth whitening filters. That's often automatically added to beauty filters these days. And we can edit our teeth in apps to make them brighter. I had asked my Instagram followers if social media had impacted their relationship with their teeth or if they wanted any procedures done because of social media, and many agreed. Among other responses, some said that they just don't smile in pictures anymore because they don't believe that their teeth are straight or white enough to be presentable. And that's really sad. They raised an interesting point though, and that is that smiling with teeth is actually not very popular on social media, especially Instagram. It's actually seen as like corny or kind of immature, a little bit too sincere. We're just so used to seeing Instagram models giving us little pouts and sad looks and blank stares that like when someone is smiling, especially a genuine like face squished up smile, it's like, what are you doing? Did you not get the memo? But still, the fact that smiles are not the most popular in feeds doesn't mean that they're not still important a noticeable aspect of your appearance. Even if you're smiling less in pictures, your teeth are still shown in videos when you're talking or lip syncing. So nice, straight white teeth are still the ideal. I can't tell you how much these veneers changed my life because this is really what actually boosted my Instagram at the time. Certainly most people on social media are feeling this pressure to conform to these standards, but it can be even worse if you're an influencer slash content creator or aspiring to be one. Some of my YouTube peers replied to me on Instagram as well and said that as they started to gain a following, they started to feel more self-conscious or felt compelled to fix their teeth, fix, quote unquote, because they're imperfect, because people might comment on your teeth or maybe people actually do comment on your teeth. That definitely happened to me and contributed to my desire to fix mine. Sometimes I would get comments like, is that a tongue ring? Like what's in your mouth? It's been called a tic-tac tooth. <laughs> I'm mainly talking about this tooth here. Filming and then watching yourself, editing yourself, 
seeing how your teeth look on camera really made me focus more on my teeth than I ever did in regular life. And by the way, we tend to talk about fixing your teeth as this like simple, straightforward thing, but doing any of these procedures, changing your teeth is not cheap, quick, or easy. And by the way, gotta mention that we must question the notion of feeling like we have to fix our teeth at all. Imperfect teeth can be perfectly healthy and good looking teeth can be very unhealthy, so that's not a way to measure the actual health of your teeth. But anyway, whether you like your unique or different or imperfect teeth, however you want to phrase that, and want to keep it and resist that beauty standard, love that for you. But also, if you do want to change some things about your teeth, I feel you because I did the same. I understand it might sound hypocritical to say, oh, we should question the notion of fixing our teeth, but then say, yeah, but if you want, fix your teeth. It's a whole thing. The question of resisting versus adhering to beauty standards versus the impact that it has on your confidence, that's a whole other video. There are lots of videos about cosmetic procedures and other things that we do to make ourselves feel better? Do we do it for ourselves? Do we do it to fit in? There's a lot. Either way, we all deserve dental care, all right? The rise of veneers. Veneers used to be reserved for the mega rich, like Hollywood celebrities. We knew their teeth weren't natural, okay? But now it's very common for a lot of the top influencers to have them, and it's trickling down, and now ordinary people want veneers. Veneers seem to be the perfect, relatively quick solution. No matter what many of us do, even with braces and all the whitening in the world, our natural teeth will never look like this. So just get veneers. Just get veneers. There was actually a veneer check trend on TikTok. Warning, if you don't like the sight of little peg teeth, please look away for a few seconds. Veneers check. <laughs> In the past, veneers used to be considered the last resort. If your teeth were really unsalvageable, there was no way that you could make them look good. Okay, veneers. But now, a lot of young people who have very healthy, relatively nice teeth to begin with are just jumping straight in and often having their teeth shaved down for veneers. And by the way, not all veneer techniques are that invasive. These are not veneer preparations. These are crown preparations. And there's a big difference. So this is a typical veneer preparation, and as long as your teeth are aligned, veneers require minimal to no preparation whatsoever. I think it's really important to understand the difference between veneers and crowns. Once your teeth are down to stumps, there is no going back. Anyway, the cost of veneers is very high and the maintenance is lifelong. This is no small commitment. Veneers start at $1,000 a tooth, and for top tier aesthetic dentists, they can easily hit three dollars or $4,000 a piece. And veneers typically have to be replaced anywhere from every 10 to 20 years. You have no option but to continue getting your veneers redone for the rest of your life. And again, some people are doing this at age 18, 20. Because the cost is so high, dental tourism has become very popular. So lots of people go abroad to do plastic surgery or other procedures. And it makes sense that people would do this for dental work as well. Like here in the US, especially around the Southwest, it is very common for people to go to Mexico to get their dental work done because it's so much more affordable than it is here. While researching this video, I typed getting veneers in the YouTube search bar. And the first suggestions were getting veneers in Mexico, Turkey, Colombia, and the Dominican Republic. There's a demand, there's content being made. And if you also love the trash but wonderful Love Island UK, do you remember Connor, the guy with the very obvious, very bright veneers? He mentioned he got his bright ass veneers done in Thailand, 
and Google searches for Thailand teeth, veneers Thailand, and Thailand veneers price saw a 100% increase. He's an influencer, baby. Young adults across the UK are being lured by cheap prices in countries like Hungary, Poland, Turkey, Bulgaria, and sometimes as far as India or Thailand. Of course, there are lots of dentists and doctors in these countries that do incredible, high-quality work, obviously. But also, there can be a lot of risks to traveling abroad for procedures, especially if you're getting a suspiciously cheap deal. That's a red flag. Selling the perfect smile. As I mentioned, with the shift more toward cosmetic dentistry, a lot of dentists are focusing a lot more on selling procedures like orthodontics, whitening, veneers, rather than just the basic boring exams, cleanings, fillings. And cosmetic dentistry is definitely the most profitable, so you can see why they're getting in on the action. We've seen a huge rise in doctors and plastic surgeons on social media using Instagram and YouTube as a way to sell themselves as a professional, sell their practice, and sell their work, the before and afters of what they do. And dentists are getting in on this as well. Dentists and other doctors often work with influencers, providing free or heavily discounted services, including filler, Botox, and even veneers. So again, we have the classic situation of the rich people who can actually afford the thing, getting the thing for free, and then selling the thing to their audience who probably can't afford the thing. Love that. While most people can afford a new lipstick or an occasional new pair of shoes, selling $10,000 worth of new teeth is something else. Taking a medical procedure and recasting it as a marketable consumer good isn't a simple process, but it's one for which Instagram structure and culture work almost perfectly. In this article, one dentist said, it's almost hard to find an influencer without veneers now. And depending on what your Instagram feed looks like, that may be very true. Veneers have definitely been normalized. They're presented as this very casual thing, and it's equal parts fascinating and slightly horrifying. Let's get into the class implications of our teeth. A smile is a beacon of economic power. Another thing for the haves to have that the have-nots have not. Here's a not-so-fun fact. Human teeth used to be a big commodity. Rich people would rot their teeth because they had access to sugary snacks and luxurious new processed foods. And for a time, tooth transplants became popularized, in which poor, desperate people would be willing to sell their teeth, which would be removed without any anesthetic, by the way, and their teeth would be implanted in the mouths of the rich. Some sources include enslaved people in the group of the poor selling their teeth, but it is also likely that they could have been forced to give up their teeth without payment. There are so many horrifying things about this. It was also very common for grave robbers to dig up corpses, rip their teeth out, and sell those to dentists. Now that's what I call capitalism. Again, good teeth are a luxury reserved for the rich. And then the toothless poor can't even afford to get dentures. So as far as the class implications in present-day America, a casual sleuth could estimate an American family's economic caste simply by looking at their teeth in photos. The average set of braces costs more than a Fendi bag, between four to $7,000 on average, but nevertheless is a painful rite of maturity for many children of the American middle class, an investment in their personal and professional futures. The number of North American teenagers in orthodontic treatment has nearly doubled so that 80% are currently in an orthodontist care, with the recommended average age of a first visit now seven. That number seems very high, but also validates my feeling as someone who did not have braces as a teenager and felt very left out. But what's the big deal? Why do parents prioritize getting their kids braces 
Why is this such an important thing? There's a lot to it, but basically having good teeth can help you feel more confident, potentially help you be more successful. One of the dental websites that I saw promoting orthodontics um, said you can prevent your kids being bullied from having bad teeth by getting them braces. That's not funny, it's probably true, but it's fucked up. It can be a matter of aesthetic and function. Orthodontists argue that straighter teeth are healthier, easier to take care of, and having a good aligned bite will help protect your teeth in the long run. And I can agree, I always wanted straight teeth because I didn't like the way that my bottom teeth looked in particular. But also, I can say that the extreme crowding did make it very difficult for me to This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Properly floss. There was no room to be spoken of. And then I ended up having some gum issues because I couldn't reach all of those areas around my teeth. So yes, aesthetic and function, sure. And if braces are a middle-class rite of passage, Invisalign is a step up from there. It tends to be more expensive, but it's also a little more discreet. And that's why it's especially favored by adults who find it more embarrassing to have adult metal braces. And a lot of adults had braces as a kid and then didn't wear their retainer and end up pursuing more orthodontic treatments later on to re-straighten their smile. I wanna reference a piece by Anne Helen Peterson. Those braces were for my dental health, but they were also for my middle-class future. There's this weird shared delusion that the work we do, the money we spend, the attention we pay, the pain we endure as part of the bourgeois body and class maintenance is temporary. The reality is much grimmer. For many, good teeth means enduring two to three years of misery, then a lifetime of diligent maintenance. Failure to do so means paying some sort of penance, either in the form of another expensive, painful straightening regime, or grappling with the knowledge that your teeth are once again bad, which is to say unseemly in some way, and not indicative of your current or aspired class position. Of course, none of this should be shameful, and all of it would be less laden with class baggage if one, dental care were rightfully considered part of medical care, and two, medical care was considered a right, not a privilege. But that is not the case, and our teeth become sites of continual middle-class maintenance. Despite the myths we tell ourselves about our country, the poor largely stay poor, and the rich almost always stay rich. To maintain middle-class status is to be constantly treading water, to be proving and reproving middle-class social and financial capital. I read that piece months ago before I actually started scripting this video because I was just like, that just said it all. <laughs> Do I even need to make a video? Love her writing. So anyway, if that is what teeth can tell us about the middle class and higher, what about people who cannot afford or access dental care? If you have bad teeth, generally the assumptions that people tend to make are that you may be any of the following. Poor, a drug addict, trashy, unclean, or that you just don't care enough about maintaining your teeth. Those stereotypes are obviously hurtful and harmful, for some, there may be elements of truth in that. They may be struggling with drug addiction. They may be in poverty. But to judge someone for a situation that is so far out of their control, and especially with teeth that cannot be repaired in, in the same ways that other parts of our body can kind of regenerate or fix themselves, when the damage is done, it's done. And to try to restore teeth or to cover up the harm that has been done is a very extensive, expensive process. The classism involved in these assumptions is obviously disgusting. 
And these stereotypes also ignore the fact that you don't have to be poor to suffer from a lack of dental care. A lot of middle class people, working class people, also can't afford dental care. And also these assumptions completely ignore factors such as disabilities, diseases, conditions that can harm your teeth, such as bulimia, for example. As I've been writing and editing this section, I'm just like, stereotypes and assumptions fucking suck and we should stop doing that. Mary Otto made some really great points in teeth about how your teeth can affect your job prospects. In the competition for service jobs, working at restaurants or retail counters or reception desks, the working poor are often passed over. Unless they look good, you don't want to hire them. Who wanted a waitress with bad teeth? If you're not a healthy looking individual, you don't want that person taking care of you. And how is someone ever supposed to find stability and ever be able to get the dental care that they need if they can't even get hired? Aside from that, we also have this major idea of class mobility in that if you make it or you become successful, one of the first things that you should do is fix your teeth. Cardi B famously said, got a bag and fix my teeth. Oh my God, why do I sound like Ben Shapiro trying to say the WAP lyrics? Help me. Some celebrities such as J. Cole and Jewel have famously rejected changing their teeth, but they're definitely the exceptions and not the rule. Look at any Hollywood celebrities. Their teeth might look natural because they could pay enough to get dental care that's that subtle, but I bet that most A-listers do not have their natural teeth and they've had a substantial amount of work done. But again, that's not just true for Hollywood elites. Even for me, one of the first things that I wanted to do when I was barely making a little bit of extra money was start addressing my teeth. It's safe to assume that most people do want to have healthy, nice looking teeth, but many barriers exist, including financial barriers. This is probably the most common barrier for people. They just can't afford dental care. Those who suffer the worst oral health are found among the poor of all ages, with poor children and poor older Americans particularly vulnerable. Members of racial and ethnic minority groups also experience a disproportionate level of oral health problems. So we're gonna get into math corner now, all right? I'm gonna give some generalizations. Even across the US, obviously the costs can very much depend on where you live. I assume cities are more expensive. These rough estimates should help give you an idea, but again, it varies widely. As an example, I'm going to compare some typical US costs to UK costs because my fiance is British, so I'm probably gonna experience that system at some point in my life. And by the way, Brits, if I get any of this wrong or don't explain it well, feel free to correct me. The UK has a publicly funded national health system called the NHS, in which most of your medical treatments should be free at the point of service. It's not a perfect system, I'm sure, but I would certainly prefer it over the American system, where many people can't afford essential medications or treatments, and we live in constant fear of being bankrupted by a medical emergency. So even though the UK has universal health care, their system does not include free dental care. Or more accurately, only some parts of the population are entitled to free dental care, but it's not free for everyone. Weirdly, this is very common. I've been asking you guys about this on Instagram for months. But for example, as well in Canada, general dental care is not covered by their universal health system, which is the Canada Health Act. And this is true for a lot of other countries, even the ones who have some of the best government-funded health insurance programs, for some reason, dental is always separate and usually isn't fully covered. So the NHS does have a dental system and it has these like bands that cover different levels of treatment needs at a discounted rate. 
So that's how that system works. So for this math section, let's create a hypothetical scenario. You need a routine checkup, meaning an exam, a cleaning, some x-rays, and you find out you have a cavity that needs to be filled. In the US without insurance, an average cost could be $288 for the checkup and $200 for a filling. So that costs $488. In the US with insurance, preventative care like a checkup is covered. And if the filling costs $200, your insurance should cover about 80% of that. So you're paying 40 out of pocket. But you've gotta consider you might be paying an average of $50 a month, $600 a year for your dental insurance. So how worth it is it? It depends. In the UK on the NHS dental system with the band treatment, you're charged the cost of the highest band and you're not charged for individual treatments. Your checkup would be band one, your filling would be band two, so you would pay for band two, which is 65 pounds, about 90 US dollars. NHS dental is the most affordable option, but often people cannot access NHS dentists for a variety of reasons. So many people end up having to pay for private care, which costs a lot more. In the UK with private care, you could be charged something like 35 pounds for an exam, 48 pounds for a cleaning, and 100 pounds for a tooth colored filling. That's 183 pounds or about 255 US dollars. Okay, by the way, I realized I didn't include x-rays in the UK private because it wasn't listed on the fee chart. I got it from Smile Dental Care UK. Random choice. Again, this is not scientific. I'm just trying my best. If I messed up the math at all, give me a break. This was a lot for me, okay? For all of these scenarios, even the so-called low-cost options can be too expensive for many people. So they go without care because they can't afford any of it. It pisses me off so much when people are like, oh, what, it's 25 bucks, who can't afford that? Um, a lot of people can't afford that, asshole. I don't know which hypothetical person I'm mad at. Probably every Republican congressperson. And some Democrats, to be honest. And now I would like to share some of my personal experience. I used to go to the dentist regularly as a child. I remember going to my regular checkups. And I went until I was a teenager. At some point, I stopped going. Then in 2017, I had an impacted wisdom tooth. I literally could not open my mouth. Something was wrong. I had to go to the dentist. No other option. Hello, my dudes. I'm having an awesome day. Thanks for asking. I just got a wisdom tooth extracted. Life's so expensive. Literally just a tooth grows in your mouth and you gotta pay $500. $500, that's the fun of having no insurance. The dentist asked like when the last time was, so I went to the dentist, I was like, I don't know, literally cannot remember. But now I also think I have cavities for the first time in my life. Actually, the dentist did confirm that to me. He said, yeah, I have some. Fuck, now I have cavities to deal with too? But I never had cavities before. This is all fucked. And everything comes with a price tag. And it's like, why the fuck do I have to pay for this? I didn't have medical or dental insurance, so it ended up costing me over $2,000 to get all of my wisdom teeth extracted and a few cavities filled. I remember that being devastating. I was already so broke, I was so lost in that moment, and to have all of that extra debt piled on me, I had to put it on my credit cards, I had no other choice. And that was the beginning of my obsession with my teeth and taking care of them and trying to remedy the harm that I did to them in those years of neglect where I didn't go to the dentist, I didn't keep up with my oral hygiene as well as I should have. And when things are left untreated, they cause permanent expensive issues. 
I didn't catch my cavities early, so I ended up with a lot of deep cavities, deep fillings, potential root canals that I live in fear of every day. Eventually, you could lose your tooth, you may need dentures, or if you can afford them, implants all of which have risks and are very expensive. Another potential barrier to care is inaccessibility due to location. In Teeth, it described how in rich communities in the US, they have ratios of dentists to patients or dentists to residents, like one dentist for every 350 residents. In poor areas, they have ratios more like one dentist for 15,000 residents. So there's certainly a problem of just not having enough dentists in some areas. For a lot of us, you know, if you live in the suburbs in a decently wealthy area, see dentists on every corner. There are many, many areas in this country where there's no dentist for miles and miles, potentially even hours away. Another section of the book talked about these free traveling clinics that go to rural communities, underserved areas, and people would drive for days to go to these free clinics because they were so desperate and this was their only chance to get a horrifically infected, painful tooth extracted or any other care that they needed. That's the only way to stop their pain and suffering that they've dealt with for potentially years. And then even after that, one visit to a free clinic does not solve all your problems. You probably have other issues to still address and you might not be able to do that. So Alaska is one of the most stark examples of this because some communities in rural Alaska are only accessible by boat or plane and some are hundreds of miles away from the nearest dentist's office. Tell me how you're gonna get dental care when the dentist is hundreds of miles away and you live in a small village. Alaska native children suffer from tooth decay that has been estimated at rates more than twice as high as other American children. In Alaska, complete tooth loss by the age of 20 is not uncommon. Another potential barrier is dental fear, anxiety, and embarrassment. I feel like I reference Sarah Hawkinson a lot in these videos lately, but they've just been connecting with me. Sarah has made a series about her dental anxiety, and I could relate to a lot of the stuff that she talked about in terms of just feeling like your situation with your teeth is out of control. Like no matter what you do, it's too late. She's also recently talked about her implant journey and facing her really devastating dental anxiety that she has no choice but to do because she desperately needs that implant. Personally, I luckily do not have dental anxiety, though I have so many other anxieties. I'm pretty okay with going to the dentist, but for a lot of people, they either have never gone to the dentist, and so it's just a big, scary, unknown thing, or if you've had a bad experience, especially when, when you were a child or during your formative years, that can scar you and make you never want to go to the dentist ever again. It's very common. Teeth are such a visceral thing. This reminded me, I recently had a dream about my teeth falling out. <laughs> Love that. And I thought about that, the fact that dreams about losing teeth or having loose teeth are so common. Obviously there's like dream dictionaries and they'll tell you, oh, that actually means this. But I think the literal fear of having your teeth fall out is very common. And I think sometimes that does come through our dreams. That's what I feel like mine are. I think they're literally me being afraid of my teeth falling out. Aside from that, there can be a lot of shame and anxiety and fear of being judged by your dentist. I know there are probably lots of lovely dentists out there. Some of you may even be watching. If you are a kind, patient, loving, compassionate dentist or dental hygienist or even dental receptionist, thank you so much. You are so important. I am so relieved when I find a dental office that is accepting and kind to me and comforting. But hey, I've also experienced some dentists that are really mean and 
make me never want to see them again. Maintaining oral health and getting timely dental care, no matter how important, can be eclipsed by other urgent needs. There are the judgments, the sense that when the dentist asks, how often do you brush your teeth? A patient knows it isn't enough. The dentist may be thinking, why don't you take better care of yourself? Continuing on, often people try to find cheaper alternatives. And aside from dental tourism, which we already touched on a little bit, I want to talk about straightening your teeth at home, the mail order orthodontic system, such as Smile Direct Club. You might be familiar. I said that weirdly. Smile Direct Club. These are competitors to services like Invisalign that promise things like costing 60% less and you don't have to go through all the time of going to an orthodontist office. You just get sent your aligners and then your teeth will be straightened. This is personal to me because I did Smile Direct Club. I've heard that there are some ongoing lawsuits and even during my time doing Smile Direct Club, I had done the research, I had known that it was risky. A lot of dentists that I visited just to get regular cleanings and care throughout my treatment, when I told them I was doing Smile Direct Club, they acted like I was the fucking stupidest person in the world and that really didn't make me wanna be honest with them. But why do people risk it? Why would people risk this kind of DIY, mail order aligner system? Why wouldn't they just do the real thing? For me, the cost was obviously the major issue. I couldn't afford at 21 or 22 years old paying $6,000 for Invisalign, but I desperately wanted straight teeth. I wanted the confidence of having better, straighter teeth. I had been obsessed with wanting braces since I was a teenager and saw everyone else in middle school and high school getting their braces on, going through the process, and then having perfect teeth. For other people, you know, it can make smiling easier talking, being social, dating, getting a job. All of these factors make that risk seem worth it. You'll do anything. For a lot of people, their only chance at having straighter teeth was something like Smile Direct Club, and that's exactly how I felt. At the time that I started in late 2017, I remember paying somewhere around $1,800 for my aligners. And that was still a lot of money. That was actually right after my whole wisdom tooth and other cavity debacle. So in a couple months, I spent at least like $4,000 on my teeth. Yikes. So I started the process and again, I knew the risks. I joined this Smile Drug Club members Facebook group and that really helped me kind of justify my decision and feel better in it um, because a lot of people were in the same boat and they were trying to share tips on how to do this safely and what to watch out for and how to follow the rules to make sure that we were minimizing the risks as much as you can in a system where you don't have any direct supervision by a dentist or orthodontist. I knew that I would have preferred going to a dentist's office or an orthodontist and making sure that they could check up on my teeth and make sure I wasn't gonna like break my tooth or ruin the bones in my face or my jaw. Those were things I was very scared of. But I also accepted that feeling alone and just relying on that Facebook group was gonna be part of my process. And I just hoped that I would get through it and not fuck up my teeth permanently and hopefully end up with straight teeth. So I actually made a series of videos on my vlog channel. My channel was a lot smaller at the time, so like my vlog channel viewership was very small, but a lot of people did come to watch my Smile Direct Club reviews. And of course, at the time I was promoting it as somebody who paid for it myself and was enjoying it. 
I shared my affiliate code, which was not like a special thing. Like everyone who did Smile Direct Club could share that. It gave a discount for the impression kit or if you got a smile scan, you'd get a like $100 discount and then I would get like a $100 gift card or something. And I do want to apologize for promoting Smile Direct Club, honestly, because I believed in it at the time and I'll tell you what ended up happening, but I regret even partially being responsible in encouraging anyone else to do that process. Even though I did, I think, make it clear that doing this is risky, <laughs> I do regret promoting it. And by the way, once I realized that Smile Direct Club did not work for me, I took down all my videos because I no longer wanted to promote them. And then I had always planned to address it publicly in a follow-up video once I finished my Invisalign so I could talk about the whole process. Might still do that on my vlog channel, but I'm kind of explaining it here as well. So what ended up happening with me is I went through the process and I will say for most of my experience, my problems with Smile Direct Club involved customer service and shipping times. Those were the issues that I faced and those were some of the biggest complaints that I saw in the Facebook group as well. I knew how long I needed to wear each set of liners. I was very careful. I tried to wear them the full 22 hours a day. I brushed my teeth a million times a day. I was doing everything I could to protect my teeth, but again, it was still risky. By the end of the process and a couple of refinements, my teeth were straight, but my bite was off. I could feel it and it was causing jaw pain. My very crooked bottom teeth were straight, but then they were very close to my top teeth. Like they almost, they were almost on top of each other. And I felt like I had to hold my jaw in a weird position, like an unnatural position to not clack my teeth together. So I ended up going and doing Invisalign after this. I still have my Invisalign buttons on. I'll be done in about a month. I had to go pursue Invisalign, work with an orthodontist, tell them all about my Smile Direct Club history for transparency to protect my teeth, just so I could focus on fixing my bite because I wanted to ensure that I wasn't gonna fuck up my mouth. Luckily at that point, this was at the start of 2020, I had been getting more successful on YouTube and at that point I could actually afford the few thousand dollars more to do this Invisalign. It's so frustrating now because of course I wish I could have done regular braces or Invisalign from the start, but again, Hindsight is 2020, and at that time, at 21, 22 years old, I just couldn't afford it. And I'm lucky that I haven't had irreparable damage because some people, this is all alleged by the way, allegedly, don't sue me, just sharing my experience. So again, I'm lucky I didn't experience any physical harm aside from my bite being bad. Um, Smile Direct Club does tell you that they don't deal with bite issues. They're literally just there to try to make your teeth look straight. That's all they care about. And obviously that is not a complete picture of what orthodontics is supposed to do for you. Anyway, off my soapbox, I have spent probably near seven or $8,000 on my teeth overall, not including my regular dental checkups, cleanings, fillings. And still though, I've been lucky that I could afford to and that nothing worse has happened. Touch wood. Next thing I wanna talk about is something I found years ago that I can't get over, and that is clip-on veneers. The first kind of clip-on veneers that I found are these plastic moldable instant veneers. A lot of these are like very cheap. Some of them are as seen on TV products. Some are sold on Amazon. You can't eat or drink with them in because they'll melt. You can probably barely talk with them in. And these typically cost like $25 or less. There are also more upscale versions of these veneers, such as shiny smile veneers or Insta Smile that can cost 
$570 for a full set or $800 for a full set. That's a pricey investment, but that's the price you pay for them to look at least close to natural teeth as possible. Some of these obviously look so, so fake that it draws your attention in a negative way, but some of these, like the best you want is for it to just look normal. Hi everybody. So I am actually currently wearing my Insta Smile. Um, let me show you my real teeth. Um, I remember my sister got her teeth like two years ago and I've like seen how much her confidence is raised. If you go to her Facebook page, all she has is pictures of her smiling, you know, and I mean, I'm not going to lie. I get a little jealous and she, whenever we take pictures together, she tries not to smile in the picture because she doesn't want me to get upset because these are mine. Mommy. I can't, I can't Mommy. smile in pictures and I just want her to feel as beautiful as I do with them with a pretty smile. Me too. And in finding these, I read so many reviews and people's stories on, you know, what is wrong with their teeth or why they can't afford dental care and how much just having these temporary veneers lets them experience having good teeth or the, the image of good teeth for the first time. And I'm getting emotional because it really does make a really big difference to a lot of people. And I guess part of the emotion is being glad that people found something that works for them that they can afford even if it is just a temporary fix. But yeah, again, also it's sadness because this shouldn't be the end of the road. People deserve more than just this. So again, I can totally understand why these products are appealing to a lot of people. If you have missing teeth, chipped teeth, discolored teeth, any number of issues that you cannot afford to fix, you have no hope that you'll ever be able to, if you can at least put something on and cover up the problems, and be able to smile and like the way that you look and take pictures and talk to people. The significance and the impact of that on your confidence is huge. That should not be overlooked. But again, people deserve to have those problems addressed. People deserve to not end up in those positions in the first place. People deserve to have early intervention and care that they can rely on rather than having to cover up those problems. Why is dental care treated like a luxury? Well, yes, veneers and expensive whitening systems, Invisalign and other parts of cosmetic dentistry can be considered luxuries. Preventative and restorative dental care are not luxuries, but to some people they are. To some people, dental care, basic dental care is as elusive and far away from their grasp as a fucking Lamborghini. As Bernie Sanders often says, dental care is health care. It's your mouth. Why is it treated separately? Why is dental insurance separate from health insurance? Why is dental care treated as lesser compared to treating other problems in your body? Because your oral health does impact the rest of your body. Tooth infections can spread and kill you. It is just asinine that not only in the US, this is a problem in many countries across the world. Again, the UK, Canada, Australia, a lot of countries that have better healthcare systems than the US does, still don't provide free universal dental care. And that means people go without and people suffer and people are hurt by that. People are held personally accountable for the state of their teeth in ways that they are not held accountable for many other health conditions. Oral health problems are seen as a failure of individual responsibility rather than misfortune. 
And that's the thing that is so frustrating because again, if you just happen to be someone who was unlucky and couldn't get dental care as a child or during any period of your life, you're screwed from now on. You can't take all of that back once the damage is done. Good dental health needs to be established in children as young as babies with their fresh little baby teeth growing in. If you have bad teeth as a child, that will follow you through your entire life that will cause permanent, expensive, recurring problems, and that is just incredibly unfair. Finally, we have a big section on Medicaid. I found this really important. This is a big part of this book, Teeth, and it's a big part of the discussion of how we handle dental care in the United States. So Medicaid is a federal and state health system that provides health coverage to low-income Americans and disabled people who get SSI. We also have Medicare, a federal health insurance program for elderly Americans 65 and older, and disabled people who get SSDI benefits. So Medicare and Medicaid are supposed to be the safety nets that protect the most vulnerable people in the United States. But as you'll hear, a lot of people fall through the cracks. Medicaid and Medicare are consistently underfunded. Medicaid treats dental benefits as optional. It is up to the states to decide whether to offer them. This funding often ends up on state chopping blocks. And Medicare has never included coverage for routine dental care. So again, when you leave the funding decisions up to the states, especially in more conservative states, they're just gonna slash that funding. That's big government, that's socialized medicine. They love to cut Medicare and Medicaid spending. And even in blue states, democratic states, they're not the best about putting that funding where we need it either. And we talk about austerity measures and trying to balance the budget and reduce our debt, but what ends up happening when you cut these benefits that are literally crucial to the most vulnerable people, you're just causing harm that is unnecessary and it creates problems that end up being even more expensive in the long run if that's all you care about is what is cost effective, you would realize that early intervention is the most cost effective. So anyway, Medicaid claims to cover millions of low-income people, but often those Medicaid patients cannot find the care that they need. You have Medicaid and you can't use it. They can't find dentists who will accept Medicaid or aren't accepting new Medicaid patients. Otto wrote that only 20% of Medicaid-eligible children receive dental care. Most dentists in the US work for private practices and make most of their profit from patients who have regular dental insurance or those who pay cash. And many dentists don't want to accept Medicaid. It's optional, they don't have to. <laughs> That's another thing that would be socialized if we forced the dentists to accept Medicaid. If we forced them to help the poor people. Many dentists don't want to accept Medicaid patients for two reasons. First, because Medicaid is underfunded, the reimbursement rates, what dentists are paid, are low. Medicaid pays about half of what private dental plans pay for children's dental care. So if you go to a dentist and you're gonna say, hey, you could do this service, but you're only gonna earn half as much as you're used to, they're gonna say, no thanks. A lot of this book also gets into many dentists. Again, not all. There are, I'm sure, kind, lovely, wonderful, compassionate dentists and people who work in dentistry, but there is a problem with classism and stigma against poverty. So a lot of this book talks about the barriers that Medicaid patients experience and the attitudes of some of the dentists that they try to get care from. Some dentists say the frustrations of dealing with poor Medicaid patients are overwhelming, that they frequently miss appointments. They don't value oral health, they say. They don't take care of their teeth. 
Dentists often stress that the overhead costs of operating their offices are high and that they lose money treating Medicaid patients. Here's another excerpt, and this is heartbreaking. Many parents of Medicaid beneficiary children reported that they faced daunting and sometimes humiliating challenges in navigating the system, searching for providers, arranging an appointment where choices were severely limited, and finding transportation left caregivers describing themselves as discouraged and exhausted. The participants reported that in some cases, the dentists seemed reluctant to see or touch their children because, quote, they were dirty. Members of the focus groups complained even more about office staff reporting that dental receptionists made negative comments about their Medicaid status, handling their benefit cards with disdain, and treating them differently than other patients. You have to hold back your tears, said one mother. I'm literally trying to hold back my tears. I have had Medicaid before, and I'm sure I've tried to go to Medicaid dentists, but I've never experienced this as a parent, just trying to get care for your children and to be disrespected and treated in such an inhumane way. There was this asshole dental consultant described in the book, his name is Roger Levin, and he was speaking in a presentation to other dentists. He said, Medicaid patients tend to miss appointments. They take over your entire reception room. Some things from your reception room go home with them. Some stuff disappears. Hand towels disappear. If you have a basket of lovely things in your restroom, they take things home. We are very nice to Medicaid patients, but we have to manage them differently. We use words we would never use with our fee-for-service patients. This fucking asshole, this passage made me so angry. The smugness, the fact that he's telling this to other dentists. Just imagine being that vile of a human being, blaming people who are in poverty. Okay, some things go missing. Shut the fuck up. And the fact that he admits that he treats them differently. It's just vile. Also, the whole point about missing appointments, I'm sorry, have you ever been poor? Have you ever been struggling? Many people do not have cars. They don't have reliable transportation. Shit happens and they can't make the appointment. There are so many reasons for that and to not be cognizant of that, to be so ignorant and be like, well, they missed their appointments, you're just an asshole. And I'm getting so furious. So anyway, we end up with millions of people who on paper are covered, quote unquote, and have insurance with Medicaid, but they can't actually get an appointment and receive the care they need. Hundreds of thousands of times each year, people with toothaches show up in emergency rooms. These visits cost hundreds of millions of dollars annually. Still, the patient's needs are seldom met. So again, if you can't get into a dentist, dentists can turn you away. They're private practices. They can say, no, we can't help you. But at an ER, you can never be turned away, regardless of your ability to pay. So people who are desperate show up they're in pain, something is wrong, they go to the ER. The ER is typically not equipped to deal with dental emergencies. Sometimes the best they can do is give you some pain medication and send you back out. That does not address the root cause, that does not address the actual pain, whatever is actually wrong with you, and that's a problem. And it's so frustrating because we make cuts to Medicaid and Medicare. Again, austerity measures, we're trying to balance the budget, reduce big government spending, and then it ends up costing more for these ER visits. And guess who pays for the ER visits? The taxpayers. And those ER visits don't even address or solve the problem. So we're spending more money in an ineffective way. That's pretty much the US healthcare system in a nutshell. So if you are a ghoul who only cares about money, the bottom line, it costs less to take care of people the proper way early than it does to deal with expensive treatments later on. Similarly, it costs taxpayers more to police poverty and homelessness 
than it would to put that money into public housing and actually just house people. If politicians were honest and they really, really cared about what was most cost effective, we'd be doing a lot more socialized things. But no, they're so anti-socialized medicine or socialized public housing that they would rather burn money in ineffective ways that is harmful and cruel. Lastly, this is gonna be hard to get through because I'm already feeling emotional. As I mentioned, tooth infections can kill. And in this section, I wanna highlight two people that were mentioned in this book, Diamante Driver and Kyle Willis. As I said at the beginning of this video, reading this book was very difficult. And part of that is that it was an emotional read. It was devastating to read some of these stories. We'll start with Kyle Willis. He was a 24 year old father. He went to the ER in 2011 for a toothache. He was diagnosed with an unspecified dental disorder. He was given prescriptions for a painkiller and an antibiotic and sent on his way. The pain one was like four bucks and the antibiotic was 26. He could afford to pay for the pain meds, but he couldn't afford the antibiotic. His infection got worse, spread to his brain, and he died from a tooth infection. Another situation described in this book in detail is about Alice Driver, a mother. She had been trying to get emergency dental care for one of her sons, Deshaun, for months. He had several badly decayed infected teeth and even with the help of a lawyer and her team of assistants, they struggled to navigate the Medicaid system that low-income people are expected to navigate on their own with zero help and busy and struggling and trying to make ends meet. They called all the dentists on the Medicaid list, but most of them were no longer accepting Medicaid or were not accepting new patients at that time. It took months to find a dentist who would accept Deshaun and then they needed him to be referred to an oral surgeon who could actually help with his abscesses. While they spent months trying to find care for Deshaun, his brother, Diamante, had an abscess tooth as well, and the infection spread to his brain. By the time he actually got medical care, it was too late. He ended up having two surgeries and spent weeks in the hospital. Diamante Driver was 12 years old when he died from an untreated dental infection. And even after his brother's death, Deshaun was still in need of care. Finally, his mother and the lawyer found a pediatric clinic at the University of Maryland School of Dentistry in Baltimore. It was 30 miles away and Alice did not have a car. The taxi ride cost $80 and finally Deshaun was taken care of. These stories are obviously fucking devastating. No one should die of a tooth infection, especially in the United States, such a rich country. Something so preventable, something so treatable should not be killing young kids, young fathers, anyone. And that's why it is so disgusting and infuriating to hear some people discuss the importance of personal responsibility in finding dental care. If you cared about your teeth, if you cared enough about your kids or your family, you would just go to the dentist. It's just that easy. Families in poverty do not have the time or energy to go through all of this just to make a dental appointment. With federal insurance, they have to jump through all of those hoops. It's an impossible system to navigate. This is care that they are entitled to, and it's almost impossible to get it. Diamante Driver ended up being the face of our failing dental system in the US. He became the face of all the children who have been harmed or even killed by the lack of dental care. And it's not fair that he, a 12 year old kid, had to become a martyr for this for people to finally pay attention. There have been some changes made, especially in the state of Maryland since Diamante's death, but that never should have happened. We need wide reaching changes all across this country so that we can prevent any more situations like Diamante or Kyle Willis's death. 
Finally, the end of this very long video. Are there any solutions? Yes, this book did outline quite a few solutions, things that we can do to improve our dental system. I'm just gonna quickly go through some of them, but I'm obviously not a dental policy expert. First of all, can we acknowledge that dental care is healthcare. It is not a luxury, it is a right. Right off the bat, states need to increase Medicaid and Medicare funding. We need to increase reimbursement rates to attract dentists to actually work with Medicaid patients. We need to make the paperwork less complicated so that people aren't intimidated by that. A lot of this book talked about um, the value of more dental hygienists and dental therapists, giving them more power, especially in community outreach. We can offer preventative dental care in places such as schools, nursing homes, public health clinics, hospitals, and charitable institutions to help try to reach those more vulnerable, underserved people. But ultimately, under the private practice fee-for-service model, expensive restorative work and cosmetic dentistry are the most profitable from patients that have private insurance or pay with cash. Preventative care is not very profitable. Caring for Medicaid patients with low reimbursement rates is not profitable. And that is why we need universal health care paid for with taxes, free at the point of service, including dental care, obviously, free dental care for all, include vision as well, hello. We need to remove the profit motive and just focus on giving people the care they need. That is not a radical stance. I understand dental school is expensive. This book talks about, you know, dentists getting hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt. I get that. I also believe that we should have tuition-free public colleges so that people can become dentists or work in the dental industry, pursue anything they want, go to college, and not be saddled with an insurmountable mountain of debt. I think that would help. If it weren't so common for dentists to have that mountain of debt, maybe they would be able to do more pro bono work or volunteer or work in traveling clinics or do public dental care because they wouldn't have to worry about paying all those loans back. I just would really love if my tax dollars could help contribute to caring for people. That's all I ever want. This is an emotionally taxing, physically taxing um, video to write. It was kind of fun to read a book for research for once though it took me a long time. And again, this is a very emotional topic for me. Personally, I think about myself, I think about my family, the people that I know and love, and I think about everyone else. All of the other stories that I've heard from you guys in my community posts or on my Instagram, everyone's born with teeth. And if you're not, you still have to deal with dentists to get implants or something. So this is a universal issue and it causes real harm and pain and we deserve better. Wowie, on a lighter note, I finally get to say thank you to my first round of patrons. I just launched my Patreon last month, so thank you so much for my patrons who are credited here, including Abby Hayden, Charlie B, in human form, social criticism and psychology, Jaden, Kieran and Janie, Marty Smichael, May Wither, Rebecca Devilliers, and this very cute username that I can't say out loud because there's no letters in it. Genuinely, thank you so much if you've watched to the end of the video. Maybe you fell asleep. Maybe you're listening to this in the background while you do other things. Either way, thank you so much. That's all. See you next time. Okay, thanks. Bye.